Well, today we're talking about something that affects so many people, so many ministries, so many leaders, and that is what we're calling church hurt. Church hurt is an issue that is very prevalent in conversations, personally, professionally, on social media, in conversations. And we're going to talk about what it is and why it's such an important conversation to have today. If you're someone that's been hurt by the church, if you're someone that leads and maybe it's affecting you or someone you know that's been hurt by the church, you want to hang in for this incredible conversation and interview we do today with a very, very special guest. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. All right, so this is going to be a very, very great and important conversation today, Jason, and something that just is very, very practical. Sometimes we talk about philosophical things, ideas, theories. This really will come down to some some real practical things because this church hurt concept and conversation is just happening so much. And when we talk about church hurt, we're not talking about the building, right? We're not talking about like getting hit in the head with the door when you walk in or you're, you're tripping on a rug and, and you kind of skin your knee when you fall. Right. You're, you're talking about what the church is made up of, which is people. Yeah. I just want to clarify for our audience because, you know, we want to make sure the church is not a building, but made up of God's people. That's right. That's a great definition. And we're, we'll talk about how we define church hurt here in a bit. But as always, we want you to to hang on with us in these episodes that we're doing geared for you, um, working with students, regardless of whether you're a pastor, a parent, a youth worker. Our previous episode was this incredible conversation we had with Claire DeGraff about how do we we understand and have conversations and navigate the LGBTQ community, especially as that pertains to our students and youth ministry and and what we do to, to reach out to this generation. I just could not highly recommend that conversation enough. And then, Jason, following this episode, we also have another very, very important conversation. We had a conversation in regards to the focus on youth ministry from a church perspective. The church basement is burning. So we are kind of drilling in on some of the alarms that are going off in youth ministry and and discussing that. And I think it's a very, very solid conversation that we have with a special guest as well. His name is Charlie Elcock. So looking forward to that. So today we're going to jump into this interview. And then when this interview is done, we've got some very, very practical things for you. Three ways that you can deal with church hurt, whether it's you or someone you know. So hang on for the end of this conversation. We talk, Jason and I talk about three things you can do when it comes to church hurt. Well, we want to introduce our guest today, uh, a dear, dear friend, an incredible ministry leader, uh, really a very, very talented communicator as well, and a youth ministry veteran, and also now currently is campus and teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church in the Chicagoland area, 
and Miguel De La Mora is with us today. Miguel, we're so glad you're with us, and thank you for taking your time to speak to us today. Yes, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the Thought Factory podcast. Now, Thanks. we've been with Miguel on the road. He's spoken in NTS camp throughout the years, and back in the early days, brought students to NTS camp as a youth pastor. Um, so, Miguel, and what a what a privilege. You're just an incredible leader, a person that both of us, we really look up to and and so grateful for, for what you do. But uh, we're going to talk today about this idea of church hurt and how we're, how we're thinking about that is some kind of wound that's received by someone that's associated with Christianity or Christian faith. And this is a term that we're hearing a lot. People are talking about it. It's having its impact in ministries and churches and people. Talk, talk a little bit about what you're seeing when it comes to this, this issue of church hurt. Well, I think, um, I think I'm just seeing it more and more in, in, uh, online, on social media. I think more and more people are talking about it. So it does seem more of like a, a popular topic. Um, um, I would say in general, like church hurt is, has always been, um, something people have experienced in my ministry career at every church I've been to I've, there's always been some kind of hurt um, from church that's happened um, and a lot of my pastoring uh, in churches has been around helping people who have been hurt by church um, or church hurt in some way and so I've seen it in a lot of different forms a lot of different ways whether it's internal or just external of the church in general so um, but I, I think it's just um, the last few years, especially, it's just been a popular um, topic. People are discussing it. People are coming out of the woodworks and posting about it. Um, so it's definitely a sensitive subject right now. You mentioned a lot of people are dealing with it or a lot of you are noticing that there's a lot more awareness of it. What do you think is the main cause of it? I don't know if I could identify like a main cause. I think there's multiple causes because every situation is so different um, from my experience. One of, one of the things like um, going into church ministry, just in general, there, there's, I, I've done ministry in church, in, in areas where churches, um, uh, they're kind of, an, it's a very unchurched area and there's a, you know, a church that I'm serving at. And so we have people that are going, no, I, would never, I would never go to church. And a lot of the reason is because in their childhood, they had an experience with church, you know, or their family had an experience with church. So there's that that happens pretty regularly, I would say, that there's already a perceived uh, view of church and they're, uh, they're not coming back. Um, others, I would say more recently, it's been more of a... Um, you know, a failure of leadership. So there's moral failure uh, that takes place in churches or, or in leadership. Um, there's there's trust that's broke. And I think if I were to put a kind of a main point, that it is it is a matter of trust. Um, you know, trust that's broke with people. So trust with the church in general, or trust with people, uh, or a leader. Um, and so yeah, ultimately there's some kind of trust that they're that broke, and and so they're thinking. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And, um, or obviously our trust is in Jesus, but even if your trust is in Jesus, 
uh, and a, a hard situation like a moral failure or something happens, it still hurts. You know, it, it's still painful. And so that, so I think, so I think maybe it kind of lies within that realm of just trust being broken. You know, thinking about that, Miguel, and growing up going to church myself, I remember from childhood pe- families here and there that were hurt in some way that they connected or associated with maybe our church or Christianity or a person or leadership, and and they they kind of, you know, tapped out. They left. You didn't see them anymore. Sometimes I'd have follow-up conversations or have relationships. Other times I didn't. I think there there's kind of that, and there that that's probably, even hearing you talk about it, Miguel, I think there's kind of this long-standing, maybe what I would even call traditional uh, experience that people have had where somebody said something or did something or didn't say something or didn't do something that they wanted, and it caused, yeah, this hurt within them and then left. And then there's then there's the ministry leadership side, which seems to be, like like you were saying earlier, something that I'm hearing more and more people talk publicly about, and that is... A, a church or ministry hurt that comes from being inside, so to speak, the leadership circles where maybe there's some kind of abuse of some kind. A lot that you know that's that's coming up a lot. In fact, I was talking to a friend just here recently that was on staff at a very very large church in in the United States, and his supervisor was upset at, at something that he said, and he literally took his cell phone and threw it at him and hit him in the face. And that just that just blew me away. I've been in a lot of church staffs and circumstances, but that level of unhealthiness, that level of unhealthiness and dysfunction, I've never seen up close necessarily like that. He went to his HR at the church and reported. They came back and basically said, "Look, this guy's high up in the food chain. There's really nothing we can do about it." So he just had to deal with it. So, things like that. So I know there's. There's those type of circumstances happening, and and when we talk about church hurt, there's also levels. You know, there there's some that I, there's some people I know that, frankly, you know, even even in the sensitivity of this topic, they've been hurt by things that probably they're just being maybe overly sensitive to, maybe a, a comment that was made, and they just completely ran with it and just you know let that affect their relationship with that person or faith. And then there's others where it is what I would call a, a level 10 that's very serious, uh, a moral failure, um, you know, spiritual or emotional or physical abuse. Those things obviously are are very um, intense to deal with, and we've got everywhere in between. And and so thinking about all these different layers, Miguel, you, you and I talked um, this summer actually and you mm-hmm. felt you felt that one of your gifts is to go in and to and to bring restoration mm-hmm. and talk about that talk about what you do your heart for that what you've seen yeah so just for context um i i've led at four mega churches uh in in the united states and um every church i've been to i it was i was following a uh, senior pastor succession um, I was, um, I've also been following some kind of leadership failure or moral challenge within the church, not necessarily from the senior leader, but somewhere uh, in leadership. 
Um, and uh, so I've, 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 that's the only church ministry experience I have is walking into a, we're hurting, hope is lost. We've been through so, so many challenging things and we, we've now lost our senior leader, whether it's a succession or a just chosen, choosing to leave. Um, all those kinds of things, just uh, different types of pain there. And when you're talking about overly sensitive, I think one of the things I've, I've picked up on is <clears throat> and is really people not having the margin to hold tension with others, meaning um, they don't have the margin to allow people or giving people permission to, to make mistakes around them. Um, so, so what I mean by that is, is like, um, the, I don't want to say John Eldridge ministry, they do, they did some studies in the last few years of, of uh, the pandemic. And the reason why people are overly sensitive today, or you see on airlines and people are just losing it. And they're just like, they don't have any bandwidth to hold tension with people where before someone cut you off in traffic, you might give them a pass today. It's like, no. How dare you cut me off right now? So there was so much that was just robbed in people's souls and they didn't have any more margin to just offer grace. So as I'm coming in to yet another situation in a church, in a mega church, uh, where there's so much pain and hurt, and on top of that, a global pandemic where people have no margin to hold tension with others, to offer grace, there's just nothing left. My, my role has been to help people rebuild um, discipleship and their souls, if you will, to trust in the Lord and that you can rebuild because people are going to fail you again. There's going to be someone else that will fail you, that will disappoint you. That's people. Obviously, we put our trust in Jesus because he won't fail you. So, that, so um, I learned something from John Eldridge some time ago, um, listening to him and, and learning a little bit. And one of the things that he mentions is that most of the people live in the shallows, what he calls the shallows, which is really just focus and concern about your everyday life calendar. I got to run, run some errands today. I've got a couple meetings today. That's where most people live. He said, then there's what's called the mids, the midlands. And he says, the midlands is really having this deep concern of like, a little bit more important things like health and your kid's graduation or a wedding, something that's more important that you're planning and thinking about. And then he says, there are few people are in the Midlands, but then he says, very few people have learned to really meet with Jesus in the depths of their life, um, the deep areas of their soul. He says, people who are able to really have that kind of practice um, with the Lord in the deep areas of their life, um, were much more likely to absorb people's mistakes around them, offer grace and mercy, as well as a global pandemic where everyone's just, there's a bunch of chaos. The people that had a grounded, deep relationship with Jesus and trust in Jesus um, they really had a discipline with the Lord that just continued to go, you know, they were able to live through that. So my role has been to, how do I help you have a much deeper relationship with the Lord that is so, that is beyond the shallows, beyond the midlands, but is really in the depths. And I think what, what trial does to a person and what God uses during trial 
is he actually pushes us, or as the Psalms would, the psalmist would say, leads us, right? He, he leads us to that place and, and, uh, and he leads us into a deep place because now we're forced to depend on the Lord. And so, um, so the only way into maturity is through perseverance. We know that from James 1. We persevere there. But we, that's the only way into maturity. You can't, you can't think your way there. You can't perform your way there. It's persevering through there. So I'm trying to help people's view of pain, persevering, hurt. There is a God. The tomb is empty. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And here's how you can continue to trust in Jesus because there will be another failure. There will be another pain that comes, and we want to learn how to live and lead through it. There, there's such a role that hurt plays within all of our lives. The one thing that I think I really saw highlighted during the last couple years as we record this with COVID and the aftermath of that is the fact that that it did bring up a lot of hurt. And, and Miguel, like you're saying, that maybe the reserve tank that had been there that was filled all of a sudden through all the stress and fatigue of all the changes and shutdowns and everything else, that reserve tank was emptied. And I believe for a lot of people, it really still is. There, there's, it's still, there's, there, there's nothing they can draw from right now. And when hurt hits us at a vulnerable time, it can really, it can really test us and shape us. And, and I, I would say personally, you know, as, as I've talked with many people over the years about and ministry leadership about their particular hurt, uh, I've realized more and more the hurt that I've experienced that I that I just kind of, I don't know, blocked out. It's kind of the way my personality is. Ariana, my wife, she's always saying, you always forget all the bad stuff. And I, I think I do. And that's probably good. But but there's there's a role that hurt plays to help us and I think sometimes you know when people get hurt all they're focusing on is the immediate effects which sometimes again they can be very very intense and sometimes to the point of of potentially being devastating but it's what we do with that hurt and you know Miguel you've stepped into some pretty intense ministry situations where that's happened and how have you seen that the good side of hurt in terms of what the positive things that it's brought through that pain in the process? Goodness, yeah. So um, uh, let, I'll say it this way because um, so being at a church, Willow Creek, I when I came on, um, I came on and a lot of what, you know, what was the pain that Willow experienced was also public. So, so not every church has, um, has their leadership and their church pain and struggles publicized and on news and articles all over the place. So, so that's another degree of the pain. It kind of pushes it further. Um, but, uh, but I walked into, and when I, when I walked into this, uh, role, um, I'm on the executive team and we're, we're looking at it. But when I got here, there was just um, this sense of a loss of hope. Um, people very angry, some people very sad. Some people just gave up altogether and said, nope. Um, other people, um, the reaction was to attack. So it was 
websites being created and trolls on social media. So just a, a lot of different reactions. Um, but internally, the people that were still here were just hurting. It, it was kind of what I describe it as I kind of walked into like a funeral. And, and heads were down and hope was lost and death had just happened. And so um, the, the kind of thing that I, I had to initially, what we initially just started to, to do is we just needed to build trust. And trust is only built um, up close and over time. So proximity was really important. Um, so we did even just things like coffee with Miguel, coffee with the pastor um, was really important to people. But even when I first started to do that, there was so much hesitation. There was a, there was PTSD, if you will, from church hurt. Um, there was chronic anxiety where there was even a perceived uh, pain that they thought would happen or they thought was there. But, but there, it really wasn't, you know, so there, there was a lot of presupposition about leadership. Um, I had people even tell me, I don't trust you because you're a leader and a pastor at Willow Creek. And, and it was within my first month there and learning people. So, so there was a lot of different pain and hurt. Um, and, you know, I'm, this is fresh on my mind now because we're in November and, 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 uh, we're coming up to Thanksgiving, uh, right now when we're recording this, but, but we're talking about gratitude. The thing about gratitude is that most people will say, I'm grateful for the, you know, for the house, for the family, for the things that you've given me. But at some point when you go through some pain and some hurt and you've learned to trust the Lord in that and persevere through it, your gratitude will graduate from for the to even though so it's a even though i walk through the valley right of the shadow of death kind of thing even though i just lost my job even though my youth pastor just left or even though the the church i had been at just did something that i am not in agreement with i can still trust you god right i'm having to help people cross that bridge. But the thing is, the only way to get through it is through perseverance. It's the only channel that I know. It's to say, we can't avoid this. We're going to walk through it together. And, um, and so as I've, as I've talked to people, I've literally just sat with them in their pain. I've cried with them. I've, I've heard their stories. And so there's a lot of just pain that's come come out and people just talking it out and it takes it's taken a lot of time just to listen and and um and listen to people hear their story but but there is an initial just chronic anxiety where it's a uh, perceived there's there's a perceived threat there's acute anxiety where it's like it's an actual threat like you know you know we slamming our brakes because someone just stops suddenly in front of us in traffic and we slam on our brakes and it floods our body and it's acute anxiety and we just calm ourselves down. But then there's chronic anxiety where there's a perceived threat that you believe is real. The problem with that, that we've learned just recently as we're trying to walk through anxiety, even as a staff is that acute anxiety and chronic anxiety looks the same in your body. Your body can't tell the difference. So people will react. Um, and so they'll come into meetings assuming that there's a threat. And then when they realize there isn't, they're confused. 
So as we've as we've learned, when I first got here, what we uh, with with uh, the leadership here, we said, I said, hey, so what's the goal right now? And it's like build trust. And there's like, how are we doing that? And it was like being normal. It was kind of the internal language. It was mm. just be a person, just just be human, just be normal with people. And normal is working really well. And I'm saying things like me being present in the lobby after service was a huge healing for so many people. It sounds, it sounds strange, but it was like me just having conversations in the lobby uh, after a service, it was a huge, like people were crying. Um, me telling people, hey, let's just focus on connecting people and being faithful to the Lord. That's going to be our goal this year that brought tears to staff members. You know, it was, some of it was, was just so, um, I didn't realize even that I was helping bring healing by just being normal, quote unquote, right? Just living uh, life, being a pastor, all of that was just a refreshing thing for people that, uh, again, because of the chronic anxiety, they, they thought there was a perceived threat. Um, so yeah, that's that's been some of the things we've had to walk through. Wow. Let's uh we're gonna take a break here and we come back. We're just gonna talk about practical ways individually to deal with it. So we're gonna talk about if you're dealing with church hurt or if someone you know and you're trying to navigate those those waters with them, we're gonna talk about that when we come back. We're talking about individual hurt here and, and what we do to deal with it and the landscape of, of what's happening there. A lot of people are allowing this to take them out of their faith communities or their relationship personally with their faith and with Christ. And Miguel, like one of the things that as we're talking about it, that that's really been a safeguard for me, it's been an anchor, is realizing, recognizing that, as you said earlier, people will fail you, Christ never will. And this this many years ago this this kind of certain paradigm of how i think and live and serve has really been helpful for me and that's this idea that who i am serving is never a person or people it's always christ and my my environment may change i might be like you i might be on staff at willow creek or i might be in a ministry context here i might be a nine to five at a factory i might be a mom at home i might whoever i am i'm not serving those people what i found is when my when that paradigm changed in me and i realized that i could turn my gaze kind of upward so to speak and really realize i'm serving christ in this particular environment where i am in my life rather than saying a lot of us in ministry would say well i serve these people or i serve these kids as youth pastor i serve this church what happens is if we turn our focus towards them and then there's a disappointment which there inevitably absolutely will be at some point then we we can we can lose focus but what i found is when i've been able to to realize i'm serving christ and christ always receives my service with gratitude with grace with love with acceptance i i often use the the john 12 um, scene where the woman comes in and washes Jesus' feet, pours, pours the perfume 
on his feet, and he receives that. And other people don't understand it, but that was her serving Christ, and everyone else was watching. And I feel like that, particularly our role as ministry leaders, is to show people that. And having said all that in that context, what do you do to help people process the hurt either personally or in in helping them help someone else yeah so i I will say just as a disclaimer um i'm not a uh, licensed therapist clinical psychologist um in in any sense i'm a i'm a pastor and a student of the god and so there are some cases that will require a, a professional in a different field um that that uh I'm not a professional in, but be that as it may, um, I do think it's all grounded in scripture and in the word of God. So one of the things that I think is important, you know, there's, there's, uh, I, I like, I learn in like, uh, bottom lines, or I learn in sort of this way, if I can just bottom line or, or kind of a sticky statement. And one of the things that I tell myself is who you cling to in your crisis is your Christ. And um, there's going to be crises that take place and who I cling to in those moments. So that whenever there's a hurt, hardship, pain or trial, um, where is my reaction? Who do I turn to? Who do I text or call? Where does my mind go? What happens to my body? Like all those things. Who, what am I clinging to first? Um, and sometimes I'm clinging to, you know, my, my abilities, my gifts. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm clinging to my experience. Um, so it could be things even like that that are a bit more immaterial. But um, but I think that what I try to help practically with, whether it's a staff member, whether it's a congregant or a volunteer, whatever it might be, or even someone outside the church, a family member calling me from out of state. Um, when they're going through it, what I'm walking them through usually is a, what I would call like a a gratitude degression or progression. And what I mean by that is I'll usually ask them first, like, Hey, what, what was the last time like you were grateful about that situation? So usually when we enter into it, you know, we start something new with a new job or a new, you know, we first get married and we go to a new church, you know, it, there's a lot of excitement and typically we're grateful in those early days uh, that, Hey, I get to do this. This is great. I get to be a part of this, but then it digress it digresses into it's now like an obligation or like I have to do this. And then it goes into resentment where I don't have it as good as right. And you're comparing yourself with other people or other roles or other churches. Um, And I, that happens a lot where it's like, well, this other church down the street does this, does it this way. Right. Or this other church in another state does it this way. Why aren't we? you start comparing and resenting, then it gets into like entitlement where it's like, I deserve better. I deserve this role. I have a calling and I, I need to do this. Right. And then there's an escape. People end up escaping and they leave church or they leave the role or they go somewhere else. And that entitlement of just the whole, like, um, I have a calling. I remind people about calling all the time in scripture. And I said, I think we have a really, interesting American view of, of God's call. But when I read scripture, um, it looks different. And what I mean by that is I help people un- understand the, the difference where people usually ask me when I'm going somewhere new, like when I'm, 
when I was coming to Willow or when I was coming to another church, hey, Miguel, are you excited? You know, it's all about the journey and it's exciting and it's adventurous. You know, it's like the American, you know, way of thinking. But uh, but they were like, are you excited? And I was just honest. I'm like, no, it's not exciting. It, I'm actually a little nervous. I'm a little bit uh, apprehensive. I'm not really sure, but I know clearly this is where God wants me to go. Um, but uh, but it's always about excitement. The thing is, when I look at scripture and the word of God, I'm going, I don't know if excitement would be the word that I would describe when Abraham was called, when when Moses was called to go back to Pharaoh. When like, I don't know if that would be the word that I would describe. Like, man, they must have been really excited about that opportunity. Uh, but it, but it's really not about that. So callings isn't about your excitement. It's more about your assignment from God. And, and whether it's exciting or not, is kind of irrelevant. It's just going, this is where God has called me. I'm an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ on planet earth in the area that I live. And, and I'm here to, to lead people to Jesus and, and show them who Jesus is. So, so I walk people through that gratitude digression and kind of see like, where are you? Do you feel like you're resenting? Do you feel like you're just, I'm stuck. I have to do this. You know, a lot of volunteers feel that way in church, you know, like, Oh, I signed up for this. So now I have to, you know, have to be here forever now, <laughs> you know, or, right. or a staff member, staff members like, well, I need a paycheck. So I have to be here. Um, so there's a lot of different things or even like people who are just attending church. They're like, well, I, I live in this town and this is the church. My, you know, my husband wants me to go to, so I have to be here. So there's like this, where are you in that progression or digression of gratitude from gratitude to I'm just escaping, I'm out of here. And I, I try to help them take that next step. Miguel, I want to speak to more the maybe the younger leaders in our audience that may not have the maturity to recognize this. And they may be at a place where the leader, there's no moral failings, there's no uh, morality in question with their leadership, the higher leadership, but maybe there's just higher expectations. And those expectations are putting you know, pressure on this young leader that's causing them to uh, maybe experience ministry in such an intense way that's causing the hurt to be magnified. Can you speak into that where, where it's almost necessary to understand that sometimes in ministry or church, there's, there's a, a, a significant difference in leadership when there's experience and years of leading multiple people and then there's a new leader that comes in and is kind of faced with this expectation to rise up and grow in their leadership and and in that immaturity or or inexperience they're they may be experiencing personal hurt from that that leadership no that's a great question because every place i've been i i succeeded someone else so good, bad, or, or in between, like there's always an expectation. So you're always compared to the previous leader, whether that's good or bad. Um, unless you are a startup church and you're the first person and founding pastor kind of thing, um, that's a different ballgame altogether, which honestly, founding pastors going to a new church, they have to grow through that too because they've never experienced what you're describing. There's an expectation now 
that they never had. Um, so I would say, yeah, um, there's always that pressure. And here's often what leadership looks like in that season is disappointing people at a rate they can handle. Um, in the most loving kind of way, because you and I know we will never meet everyone's expectation ever. <laughs> so um, it is a it is an endless battle. You are beating against the air. Um, there's always going to be something more. So the thing is, um, you know, that they want from you. Some of it is that you can go into like there's a priority list, but I would but I would say this way. Um, the number one thing I have to do as a leader, as a communicator, um, uh, in any area that I go into is I have to walk away answering the question, God, did I obey what you called me and asked me to do? So when I communicate, when I preach a sermon or when I'm leading, I have to number one for, I have to say, did I do exactly what you asked me to do, Lord? If, if I can answer yes to that, and my conscience is clear with it all, then the expectations around me honestly become secondary. I'm aware of them, but the number one thing that I'm focused on is, is this what God wants me to do? If my, but if my number one thing is I need to appease all the people first in hopes that I will win them over, right? Um, then it, you'll, you'll never, you'll never rise to that occasion and you'll always have the comparison game and you'll always, uh, you'll be fueled by the crowd. You'll get lost in the crowd. And actually when things are good, you will praise God, quote unquote. And when things are bad, you will walk away depressed thinking you did something. Um, and so, Early on, I would say if you're in, if you're a leader and you're being compared to a previous leader and, and the expectation for you is now to, you better not fail me kind of thing. Um, and, um, and really trying to find, you want to connect with people, but at the same time, you want to, you want to make sure you're following the Lord, um, follow the Lord, obey what he's asking you to do first understand that you're going to disappoint people hopefully at a rate that they can handle um if you said yes to everybody something's wrong um just because my my kids want candy for dinner doesn't mean it's the healthiest for them um you don't want to create a fair sample congregation right where they're just saying give us barabbas you know um every time you step into your leadership um, and I would say even be careful, leaders, that um, you don't connect with people over the things that you hate. There's something in, there's something the thing that, that uh, comes out in, uh, Brene Brown has research on this, but it's called common enemy intimacy. And usually that ends up happening in your early days into a new role when you've had a bad, when you're following a bad situation. People want to connect with you over the things that they disagree with over the things that they hate and they don't like about church. And you're, you want to be that person that'll, you know, connect with them. And so it's, it's what Brene Brown calls common enemy intimacy. And you're connecting over the things that you hate. The problem with that is it's a pseudo connection. It's a counterfeit connection. It isn't real. We need to connect over the things that uh, like joy and love and the things that are right. Uh, not over the things that we hate. Honestly, that's been elevated in the last few years too, with 
political polarization and everything else. People want to know where you stand. And if you hate the things that they hate, now we're best friends, right? So, so you have to be very wise in those circles where people are coming to you that are longtime members of the church and they are trying to connect with you over the things that they are strongly against. I would say, make sure you are following the Lord and the Holy Spirit in those moments that you're not trying to appease them or please them or find approval with them, but you're actually leading and listening to Jesus. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's why I get along with Ohio State fans so well. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother yeah. discussion, Jason. Yeah, yeah that, J, or, uh, yeah, Miguel, that's, that's really on point too because that does happen so much. People are, people are building entire ministry organizations on that concept you're talking about. And I look at that from the outside and it just feels so unhealthy to me that you're, you're building a movement on division and hurt and pain. And I realize that, that some people do feel this passion to uncover the wrongs that are happening in the church, you know, and having followed and having a lot of friends at Willow in your particular situation over the years and watching some people just come out of the woodwork as, you know, we could call them trolls or we could call them whatever we want to call them. Maybe some even with very, very good or godly intentions just are fueling this this negativity and probably, in my opinion, again, this is a human perspective, maybe causing more more hurt and more pain than, than healing. And, you know, as we're talking about this, Jason, you mentioned younger leaders too, and, and I've noticed that over the years my capacity to handle hurt has increased. And I believe with that, my... Um, ability to lead has increased. And I, I've thought back to my earlier days of of life and leadership, the things that might hurt or derail me are so much different than they are today. And and so those of you are listening and, and maybe you're in a leadership situation and I've looked at younger leaders and said, maybe internally or if I knew them well enough externally, that if they're becoming derailed by hurt, it's something that it's it's somewhat of a, a testing ground for greater leadership and so it might be completely unjust what's happening to you but what i've said to people is are you going to allow maybe a misinterpreted comment or even a, a wrong motive of someone against you are you going to allow that to take you off track from what god wants to do in your life and I, I believe that the higher you go in your um, leadership influence, the more hurt that you'll deal with. I think it just comes with the territory. And a leader said to me once, I'll never forget, a great mentor, he said, he talked to me about a betrayal that he experienced uh, of a, a very close confidant and and leader in his life that betrayed him. And he he said to me, um, that someone, a mentor to him said, that every great leader of faith will experience that to be able to identify with what Jesus experienced when he was betrayed. And I remembered that and I thought, we're sharing 
in a sense, in that suffering that Christ did. And to be able to understand and empathize that you can be like, like in Jesus' example, you can be the absolute perfect leader and do everything exactly right and still experience hurt and pain just because it happens. We're dealing with human beings. And those are, um, yeah, those are things I, I just feel like we need to prepare younger leaders for that you will experience hurt. Yeah, I would say, I would echo that, Jeff. Like, and, and I read a great book uh, before the pandemic began, early 2020, January, I started a book called Leadership Pain by Dr. Samuel Chan. And I love the book because it was great wisdom, but also because it's a collection of stories from real leaders all around the world and the pain they experienced. And it's a really great book. But one of the things, the basic thesis and the whole bottom line of the whole book is, um what when he talks about pain this is often the difference between where i am and where god wants me to be is the pain i'm willing to endure um he addresses like the, you, what is your pain threshold um and often the difference between where where i am and where god wants me to be the big difference there is the pain that i'm willing to endure so i would just encourage leaders uh, young leaders, like you're going to go through it. Don't avoid it um, because God is trying to do something new in you, dis discipling you, work it out. And so we're going to feel pressure to take sides. We're going to feel pressure from people. We're going to go through pain. And so so I would just say just embrace that. Um, go through that in the name of Jesus. Um, understand Jesus never takes sides. Jesus takes over. And understand that Jesus was completely comfortable being misunderstood that's a big one for our culture but man he he seemed to be completely comfortable being totally misunderstood and today it feels like we have to completely fight our cases everywhere and it just um we just get lost in all of that yeah that's powerful and that quote miguel that you just shared from that leadership pain book you shared that with me several months ago and that's a quote I've remembered and used. And and for those of you listening, make sure you lock that quote in. Write that one down. That that one is gold. And it really is helpful for us personally and others we know to process. Because I believe that how we deal with pain will really determine our destiny. And And I've often thought that pain is the great divider. How we deal with it will determine the level of life and leadership that God will allow us to experience uh, as we walk this journey of, you know, faith and and leadership. So, Miguel, we want to thank you for your time today. You, you're such an incredible leader, a great, a great thought leader, an incredible practitioner. Thanks for all your ministry with us with Never the Same and NTS Camp and other things. And um, thanks for fighting the good fight out there and doing such a great job. And thanks for what you've shared with us today. My pleasure. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks, Miguel. Good talking to you. Me too. So that was a great conversation we had. We want to talk with you specifically. Three things to think about when it comes to how to deal with with ministry hurt, church hurt, either personally or if you're dealing with others. Here's some things to think about number one is having empathy if you can let people know that you feel their pain for some people it's 
it's knowing that someone's in this situation with them. This is a person that's willing to, to talk about it. It's willing to allow you to walk alongside them and showing them empathy in a way that that reveals to them with with your actions and verbally that that you love them, that you care about them, that no matter what level of hurt or pain they've dealt with, that you can be there to walk alongside. And sometimes, and this is tough in our busy lives, but sometimes people just need that extra time with us. Miguel talked about it earlier, just about being in the church lobby. It's about presence. It's about your presence with them. And so showing empathy is one one step. I know as humans, we can generalize once something happens to us. We can categorize an entire group of people based on one experience. And it, it, it hinders us to understand and, and see a person for who they are. Miguel mentioned that somebody, because Miguel was a church leader, there was no trust already automatically. You know? So there's that generalization that can happen. And an, another way to to handle it personally is showing grace. Grace is so key in this, in hurt. And grace is really hard sometimes when the the hurt goes deep and maybe it's unforgiveness or there's pain that has lasted for years, whatever it may be. But grace is so, so important that that is a characteristic of God that we need to extend to other people. And it's really to show or present honor towards somebody else, even if they don't deserve it. It's regardless of what source of pain that comes from to have the grace of going, I don't understand. It's kind of like empathy as well. I don't understand that situation or that person completely, but I'm going to have grace and, and almost move on in that situation because there's so many factors. There's so many things that, that, bring people to that point as well, both on the person that hurts and the person that is hurt by that situation. There's, there's multiple, multiple factors. In my context of having been in multiple leadership layers, being at the, the bottom rung, so to speak, being in middle management and now leading, uh, you know, from an upper management perspective, I would say this, that, that showing grace means that you're, you're allowing your uninformed perspective to just give you a spirit of forgiveness and grace. So I'll give you an example. You know, I've, I've been on the lower rung, and there have been decisions made by leaders above me that hurt me. They didn't know it necessarily, but I didn't know everything they knew. And a lot of times those things that caused hurt for me, I found out later, those were decisions they were making to protect me. That's what's interesting. And I didn't have the I didn't have the information they have. I didn't have the perspective. I didn't know all the moving parts. And their their heart was to protect me, but they made a decision and they just weren't at liberty to be able to tell me everything they knew for lots of reasons. And now I've been on the other end of that where I've had to make decisions for others where they didn't know my perspective. And I tell you, that's tougher because you want to be able to tell them and you want to be able to fully disclose things that you can't, but you still have to make those decisions and then you just have to live with it. And And I think a lot of times younger leaders that maybe don't have as much experience can take things personally 
And you just have to learn to show grace and not take it personally. One thing that I know is there's always somebody ahead of you that has more experience, but there's always somebody behind you that doesn't have as much experience, that is not in the position that you are. You are in the middle of two types of people where you're maybe seeking the the one person, but you don't realize the people that are looking to you as also some a place that they want to get to as well as a leader. And so living by example, this is a, a great way to live as uh, an example of Christ to show grace to leaders that are ahead of you that may have made those mistakes or make those decisions that affect you in a way that hurts you and you don't realize why they're making those decisions or something like that. But somebody is watching you as a leader as well. And can you show examples of how you can extend grace so that they can also extend grace to your leadership when you make mistakes or when you end up hurting them and they may not understand exactly everything. The third step here is one that's a, a different approach when it comes to dealing with her and that's tough love. Now this situation, I want to preface it by saying you need to be able to really understand the situation and have uh, a stronger relationship with this person. And it might be yourself. So I might be speaking to you today. You might be listening to this going, Jeff, I'm hurt. And I've been hurt by something. And maybe this is for you. Or maybe you know someone that's experiencing hurt. And here's what I want to say to you. That sometimes what we need is tough love. Now I've had people speaking to me that have said, that have set me down that I know and trust and love me and said, look, Jeff, this happened. Maybe it wasn't fair. And you just, you need to, you need to buck up. You need to become tougher because of this. And as I've thought over the years, I've had people come to me and this is generally what I would call in the lower half of, of on, on a scale of one to 10, this would be a five or less in terms of intensity. This wouldn't be like emotional or spiritual abuse on the higher end. This would be lower end, maybe decisions that were made, comments, things that uh, maybe ruffled your feathers and you just allowed to get it under your skin. And what I say to leaders all the time is, don't let someone else's comment or poor example or bad motive, uh, whether they intended or not to hurt you, don't let that derail you from what God has called you to do. There's so many leaders, Jason, that, that we know, that I know, that you know, that have gotten out of ministry leadership, whether they're a, a volunteer or even uh, vocationally, they've gotten out of a ministry leadership position because they've been hurt. And they've allowed that hurt to take the calling away from their heart. They've allowed it to take their passion away. And and frankly, the longer I've led, I look at some people in the eye and go, you're using that as an excuse. Don't let that hurt destroy you. Let it build you. Let it make you stronger and tougher and better. And resolve that you will do your best to not, do the same things and make the same mistakes that are hurting you because you know what I often say to people when they tell me they've hurt they're they're hurt is I'll say do you think you've ever hurt someone and the answer is absolutely yes we all have hurt someone and so if you are experiencing that right now or, or leading with somebody that needs tough love don't be afraid to lean into that tough love with them one of the things that I learned from you even when I was uh an intern, I remember 
you were the youth pastor. I was a, a post-college, fresh out of college. And uh, a situation came up and you said, hurt people, hurt people. I mean, I'm sure that's a phrase that people have heard plenty of times, but hurt people, hurt people. So our reaction to hurt tends to hurt other people. And, and you almost need to just break that chain. Like if you're yes. hurt, it's, it's hear us now that you're going to hurt somebody else if you're hurt, unless you break that chain and you just don't let it bother you or you need to extend some grace in this moment. And you may have something come to mind and you're listening to this and you need to resolve right now to extend that grace or just let it not penetrate even further in your heart where it's now going to prevent you from hurting other people. I'll say it again. How you handle pain will determine your destiny. And whether it's you or someone you know, have the perspective to know that pain, regardless of where it's come from or even the, the intensity level of it, can be used to make you a stronger and better person. Don't lose sight of that. And don't allow hurt with you or someone that you know and love to derail you from the things that God's called you to do. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.